Hello, welcome everyone. You're listening to Chalk Talk with TND. I'm your host, Danny Shell. And I'm your co-host, Tyler Show. And thank you guys for tuning in. Got a brand new podcast for you, talking about all things sports and sports related. And let's get into it this week. Alright. So I'm sure How about the women's yeah, US national team, Tyler. Yeah. You know, by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, yeah. You know, watching the game, it's just kinda like they 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 really they don't look consistent at all. They don't. It's, for sure. And it's know, been yeah. really they, they don't their front three doesn't have any chemistry, it seems. At all. I mean I Alex Morgan hasn't really been able to get herself involved. So that's been yeah. Tough, and honestly, like they're they're just not controlling the ball. I mean, Portugal controlled the ball most of the game. I think it's just, I mean, it's it's a matter For a second of second team in the row in a row. The possession numbers were heavily skewed to the opposing team. Yeah, I mean, the Dutch did it to them with their midfield. Portugal did it to them again today with their midfield. It, I mean, I think the first two games, Roosevelt not being there had a big impact. It's just another, like even, another very, and maybe even a less impressive result than the Dutch. Well, well, well honestly, because like Roosevelt was playing today, but it's still just, it, they just weren't efficient at all. I mean, even when they did get the ball and they did control it, they just, they weren't making much forward movement, much purposeful forward no. movement at all. But I mean, oh, a lot of a lot of cross, cross, you know, just very uh, passive attacks. Yeah, no but I mean, like, getting, I mean, like getting in there and you know, taking a, a, a taking a defender on it, making a, a play for a dribble. Well, well, a, then, well, and then even when even when some of them did, like Sophia Smith tried it a couple times, but she just kept losing the ball. And I mean, so- Sophia Smith is a really, really talented, skilled player, but she just she was not able to get through Portugal's defense today at all. I mean, the the entire team was, and I think the the best chance the U.S. had was like came off of a cross from uh, from from the wide area that one that Lynn Williams was able to head down into the yeah. box. But uh-huh. the goalie even but the goalie still got to that one, so it's um, a pretty easy save. It really wasn't yeah. any chances that they had. Uh, I mean, Portugal that, had the one go off the post in like uh, the gosh. in in the first minute of stoppage time. I mean, they Portugal first, I, Portugal looked like they probably deserved to win the game. I, honestly, I, I would I would say so. I mean, how how lucky are, are they to get out of the group? Oh, I mean, not in, even the group in second. You know, they no, really I mean, they should have been going home. In, incredibly lucky, in, incredibly uh-huh. lucky, because the, I mean, the, you, I mean, the way the Dutch played versus Vietnam today, I mean, they they dominated. They looked like I a mean, team that you know, deserved as, to win the group. As a former, as a former legend in the post game on Fox, Carly Lloyd said, "The man of man of the or the woman in the match, whatever you want to call it, today was the post." Oh, absolutely! No, the the, the very post, lucky. They they, the, they they're very lucky the U.S. that they weren't sent home. Yeah, the the post saved the U.S. They should have been sent home. I mean, they the, they got for dominated. The first time in uh, in gosh, I 
I want to say it's only it's no, only the, the first time ever. No, it, it's 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 ever. it's only the second time they finished second in a group. All right, the last so time, for the, the first time ever in the history of the Women's World Cup, they would have the United States would have gone home. Yeah, they, they, so, the U.S. has never gone home in the group stage. In fact, yeah, the U.S. has actually yeah. never finished lower than third place in the in the Women's World Cup. They nearly had a very early exit this year, and it would have been deserved. I, don't they, think, I think that lowest place is about to be updated this year, Tyler, because I don't, I don't think, I don't even see them making it. To be honest, with you, I don't. The way they're playing right now, I don't think they're going to make it out of the quarterfinal. No, I mean I, right now. I mean, I, the round of sixteen game. I, I mean, right now, if they have to play Sweden in the round of sixteen, I think they're going home. I mean. The, the way that Sweden's been playing so far, I mean, they're, I mean Sweden didn't, didn't have a great first game, but they stepped up in the second game where they put, up, where they put five up on Italy. And it's, um, and you know, what Sweden does so well, Sweden has been, has been so good and so consistent on set pieces. I was going to say, the one thing that seems like the U.S. Uh, US loves to go to, which is that aerial game, Sweden has the height. And they have the uh, the the aerial ability to counter. Well, I, I mean, I mean, Sweden scored three set pe- three corner goals in in the game versus Italy. They dominated the air, and I think yeah. it, if the U.S. and they most likely will face Sweden, it's going to be a really tough task for them to find a way to well to get past that. You know, but, but back to what I'm wanting to do a little earlier. Uh, I'm not sure if you watched the post game, you know, but. <laughs> Again, alluding to the main matches, the post, uh, a legendary U.S. U.S. women's player, Carly Lloyd. Oh yeah, posting in the match match the post, and you know they should have gone home. And um, I mean, what 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 do you think about the the criticism that has been levied against the team by uh, analysts and by you know pundits uh, and well, even former former national team players. Well, I think in some ways they're right. Think, how much blame do you think Blacko has to take for this? Well, yeah, so I, I think in a lot of ways they're right. You know, there's, there's kind of a lapse in terms of effort right now. And in term, it, it, it almost seems like it almost seems like they're kind of complacent that they're going that they're going to win. They, 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 they seem like they're complacent, like they're going to win all the time. And it's it's yeah, just right. not it's not coming through right now. Like in this match, I, I I thought it was frankly I thought it was uh, you know uh, I thought it was kind of jarring to see the the U.S. woman post match they're taking selfies with fans and they're dancing and they're laughing. Oh um, yeah, it it, it it's, you, it's you, something you just that... drew with Portugal. You just drew with like the twenty ninth ranked team in FIFA and the, the, thank the, God the, for that goalpost. The the twenty first ranked team in FIFA. Home. The twenty first ranked team in FIFA. And it's it's something like the the US had um the US has played well prior to this one had played ten games against Portugal. They had outscored Portugal thirty nine to nothing in those ten games. <laughs> so uh, it, it's but there's there, but although honestly in some ways this is good because it just it, it shows how the woman's game is rapidly expanding. How say, every country, how every country is just, um, yeah. How every country is just actually really starting to get into it now. 
because like the U.S. dominated for years because it was the U.S. put more money into it than any than any other country. But now, all these other European countries are putting major money into it now, as well as the men's game. The the gap is closing, and I I guess you know I I wanted to sort of you know get what's your opinion on how quickly that gap is closing? Because I think this World Cup you're really seeing the sort of in a way the benefit of uh of of the sort of American um influence on on getting other world nations to put the money and the resource into women's soccer. Um and how surprised are you of how quickly it's changed? I mean I, I'm you know, to get off of the US for a bit, I've just been really impressed with how how skillful some of the other teams in the tournament have been. Teams like Spain and teams like Japan and Germany. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really not actually that surprised by how quickly the gap is closed because it's it's something that you you always had to think that if if the European countries and the European clubs did start to put as much effort and as much time into developing the woman game, the women's game as they did the men's game, you had to think it would close pretty quickly. I mean, Europe is so the European clubs are so big. And, and so resourceful, you had to think that it, that it would close eventually and and pretty quickly, too. And I think that's it's done exactly that. I mean, you, you just look at the way that um, a club like like Barcelona in, in the women's game, a club like Barcelona, they went on like a 66 win, game win streak, not even draws, just wins, like straight wins, it was like a 66 game winning streak. I think it's it's something that the, the women's game is just significantly developed all over the world, and it's it's really showing. Oh, for sure. And, you know, not even that, but you're seeing teams like Colombia, you know, Nigeria. Oh, I, I, I think Colombia, well, first of all, Linda Caicedo, they, Colombia has a superstar in their hands. Colombia has only, a, she's, I, I know, she's but so Colombia, dumb. yeah, 18 years old, Linda Caicedo, but Colombia has a superstar in their hands of the Linda Caicedo. She's, she's oh, really agree. good. I mean, it's, that that goal that she scored against Germany, she just... Oh, what? Got it, got it off the corner kick. Oh, that, that's that top class. I mean, yeah, got, honestly, got it off the corner. Beat the beat the two German defenders. Found the slightest angle and just put it top corner. That was brilliant. Top corner, top right. I mean, honestly, as good as good a goal as 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 many goals in the men's game would be. Yeah, no, Colombia's been. I I think Colombia. I think Colombia has a real chance at uh, making like the semifinals of this World Cup because they've been. I think they've looked really good. I mean, beating Germany obviously that's a huge win. Germany's the second ranked team in the in the world right now. Well, what a big uh, confidence booster for them! I mean, it's like wow, we just beat the, you know, we just beat the second ranked FIFA team uh, and a FIFA team traditionally, you know, on the women's side that you know even when they weren't putting money, it's always been pretty strong. Well, I mean, Germany's one of only four teams to ever win the Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. The, the four teams to win the Women's World Cup are, are Norway, Germany, Japan, and the U.S. It, it's one of only four teams to ever win um, the Women's World Cup. And they're the only other team to win it more than to win it twice or more. more so in two, yeah, 2003 and 2007, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 2003 and 2007, yep. Yeah, the German national yeah. team. And um, honestly, how about Japan though? That's a team that's uh, 
obviously won it won it in 2011, but haven't really been back to that same level since. But I, I tell you what, you know, they to me they've been the most impressive team so far. The I mean, they 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 absolutely dismantled with a, a just a lethal counterattack, and clinical efficiency. Spain in their final group game. I four I, nil. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's just like, you know, they, they've shown that they can win several ways, too. I mean, Japan in their first two games, they controlled the ball, they they had possession, and then they, they showed that they can win like that. But then they showed, you know, against, in the game against Spain, Spain had like 65% possession or something like that. And, and Japan did not have the ball very much, but when they did and they got on the counterattack, they were lethal. I mean, they, uh, they, they couldn't absolutely. miss. And the finishing, I mean, is... I think it's the best finishing team by a mile in this tournament. I just if if you let the Japanese get shots on goal, uh, they're gonna they're gonna can most of those. Oh yeah, and then um, they have they have their own young star Hanata Minazawa. Minazaki. Uh, yeah, she, she's we're, we're she's goal scored a real beauty against as well against. Uh, Against Spain. Oh no, she's she's good. She's a talented in, player in a, as well. In a pretty similar fashion to Caicedo, sort of not so much on a standstill like Caicedo's goal was, but you know through the run of play, one cut, a nice little technical step over, and just no, yeah, the, right she's she, yeah, no, she, she's good as well. Um, so Japan I mean. Japan has their that has their players for sure. Um. So uh, the world, the world has closed the gap significantly, and that really begs the question: Is you know what, what's next for the U.S. and and how does the American women's program kind of, I guess, wake up to the realization uh, that you know if they don't change something, they're going to become just like the men. And, and they're going to be a team sort of full of really talented athletes, but not soccer players that are equipped to win and really compete for a, a trophy on a world stage. Well, so Where, so that so I think this all, so I think this also goes back to um, the, the the way that the U.S. women's team is run. And and honestly, I, I also think that in some ways, a lot of these, um, a lot of the financial stuff, trying to like get fair, um, financial fair pay, is has kind of disrupted the flow of the U.S. Women's National Team program, just because it's like all the all this effort is going really towards trying to get the women the fair pay that they deserve, but it's kind of disrupted right, the political whole. issues. Yeah, um, but also just going back to Vladko and Donowski, I don't, I don't really think Vladko's used his team very well this World Cup. I don't. I mean, I, I completely agree. In, in the game against the Netherlands, he he put in one sub, one sub all game long. I just think that's not going to win you a game. I mean, so I just think what? it's kind of like for for the the team, it's it's been it's been a hard. It's definitely been a hard tournament so far. When do you think Black goes for the man for the job? Um, you know, because not just this World Cup, but even the build-up. 
you know, they haven't been, the U.S. women's team hasn't been dominating at the same clip that they were, you know, under, say, the Jill Ellis there or the Pia Sundhagen. Yeah, no, for, for sure, for sure. So, you know, what, what do you think Vlaco's future looks like? I, I, I think I think right now his future as the U.S. Women's National Team manager is looking really, really rough. Unless he can, unless the U.S. Women's National Team can find a way to, to really get it going. Um, Black goes in, I think Black goes in some serious trouble right now. Uh, especially, especially coming after the Jill, especially coming after Jill Ellis, who is the winningest coach in U.S. Women's National Team history, winning two World Cups and. I think it's Vlatko's. Vlatko's in trouble. Uh, I know it's. I I would agree. I mean, I think it's just, you know, if nothing else, I think the thing that you've always seen from an American side, and and to your point, you know, at some point the world was going to catch up, and and we were going to have to realize as Americans that again, just like our men's team, if we want to be competitive and we want to be really pushing for World Cup titles. Um, our soccer system does not, it doesn't compete in the same class as the European nations well, and no, other it, developed countries. It has to change. It, it has to change, right? Because right now in the U.S., like these players are still going to high school and then they go to college and then that's, but like the players in Europe, they, they go from, from like, nine ten years old they're in, they're in a system they are in a youth system academy. developing their skills immediately. so i the, this the way that we develop players has to change and it's happened in recent years with guys like plisic and reina and, and other guys like that right that that have gone over to, that have gone over to europe and have and have actually but they had a been goal over to europe. i guess how 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 do you see a path that we as Americans can create a homegrown system that that you know maybe at least gives these these women and these men in in the soccer space at least gives them a good foundational point and a good base point to to then say make the jump but at least start here in the US you know yeah, we're, so we're, I- I, I think the MLS has kind of developed in that. I mean, I think the, the MLS's youth system has developed over the last few years. Um, it's it's become better. I mean, we, we've seen guys from the MLS that, that developed in the MLS go over to Europe. I mean, Alfonso, Alfonso Davies was one of those. He grew, he grew up in an MLS youth system. Obviously, he's a superstar for Bayern Munich now. So there's there are some guys out there that, that grew up in MLS teams that are that are. Yeah, but Alfonso Davis is also Canadian, so he's not one of our guys. Well, I mean, I, I mean yes, but I'm just I, I'm just saying the the, the MLS the system as a whole, yeah. the the, mm-hmm. the, M, the MLS youth system as as a whole has has developed. A little um, bit, but it's still you know it's it's you know, so there's some clubs that have like. Uh, FC Dallas is, I think, really good example of a MLS youth program that's done very well in, in getting guys in their program and developing them and to the point where they, they can be sent off to Europe. You, know, you have guys like Alfonso Davies, uh, guys like, for our squad, Ricardo Pepe. Uh, Jesus a, Ferreira. Dallas youth Academy prospect. Yeah, um, I, no, I agree. I, FC Dallas West is... So you've had yeah. guys, and there, yeah. there are clubs out there, but, you know... 
I think the next evolution is how can we get more of that? Because <sighs> it, I think it's clear, and, and I, you know, I actually think I think that the the men's program can take something from what's going on in this year's women's world. I think it's clear that we've seen at the twenty twenty three women's world cup. I think it's clear we've seen how sort of stagnant our youth soccer development system is and oh, how yeah. quickly the gap can be closed in, closed by those European nations when they actually put money and resources into, you know, the the women's game. I think it, oh, I think well, yeah. it, it Well yeah, because as I said before, when they put the when they put the resources into it, they have plenty of resources and they have the time and when they put it into it, I mean they're going to grow at an exponential rate every year, which is exactly what they've done. I mean, at this Women's World Cup, it's, it's exactly what they've done. They've just been much better. Um, yeah. Much more classy. No, definitely. It's, um, it's, uh, it, it's a little bit of a, a changing the guard. I mean, they're, you know, the U.S. women teams is no longer head and shoulders above every other team in the women's game well i'm not even close and honestly they weren't they weren't they weren't heads and shoulders above them in 2019 either i mean they only beat the dutch one nothing in the final they beat england 2-1 in the semis they weren't heads and shoulders above them four years ago and they're most definitely not now i mean i i could make an argument that they're not even the top team right now i mean that's so i think it's even though the fifa ranking would tell you otherwise i think well, it, yes, it does. I mean, the U.S. They, the FIFA has U.S. as number one, but a, a, a lot of that is is because of the past few years, right? But like, if right. you look at like right now at this very moment, I mean, they're not. I mean, I, they're just not. I mean, England, England came, is England's coming off winning the Euros. They look really good. Spain, I think, uh, I, I think they're. I, you know, I honestly, I think that. If you just take right now and and you re-rank them FIFA rankings, I think that they're at best a top five fringe team. You know, they're right on the fringes of a top five. I mean, the, the, the way that, the way that they're playing right now, I I one hundred percent agree. I mean, they're just they're not playing like a. I mean, they're they're not playing like a top five team in the world right now. Not even close. So it's just, I mean. Talk, talk about a fall from grace. I mean, whew. no, but yeah, the, the the women's world cup has been uh, very interesting to watch this year. <laughs> very, very entertaining to watch this year. I mean, it's it's definitely been that for sure. It's it's you know, but honestly, I, I think that while it is a little bit sad and it's a little bit uh, you know, it's tough to see the U.S. women struggle on the, on the same foot. I think that. Uh, What's been really great about this year's Women's World Cup is just the what we talked about that that parody and that, yeah, that growth and how the world the rest of the world is finally caught up to uh, to the Americans. You know, and now you're seeing teams even though they're not getting through the group, they're giving really good efforts. Teams like a Portugal, like a, a Philippines. Um, a Nigeria, oh for sure, and ju- just the amount Columbia, of teams that yeah. just the amount of teams that got their first ever women's World Cup win. I mean, it's 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 been great um, to, to to watch. 
the way, you know, well, it's not great for the Americans. I think overall, as a sport, I think, you know, it, you, you, if you're looking at it objectively, you have to look at this and go, wow, like, this is really great for... It's great for the sport. It's absolutely for sport. great for the sport. I mean, it's it, it shows that development happens when the, um, the, these, these clubs and these countries really, really want to actually make it happen. So it's it's been fantastic for the sport. It, it definitely has. I mean, you maybe maybe not the result as an American fan you want, but you know what what a great display of soccer otherwise, and uh, it it should it should be interesting going forward as we begin to the knockout stages and we finish up these last group games. Uh, how sort of the the rest of the bracket shakes out and. Who do you who do you see coming out on top right now? I mean, I think we both voice who we thought would go through. Honestly, right and now, I th- right now I think you know a, a team like I mean Germany. Listen, Germany lost to Colombia, but in in some ways that's not really a bad thing because it, it helps them. They lost second game of the group, but it helps them kind of determine and and root out a weakness, and then they can continue to grow into the tournament. I think Germany's Germany has to be up there. Um, Japan, the way that they're playing right now, one hundred percent has to be up there. Um, England, I mean, they they routed um, they they routed uh, who who they played China, today. They finally yeah. played a game where you're like, oh, this is the England that won the Euros. Yeah, yeah, uh, they, 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 they also China. a little bit a little bit disappointing in my opinion and, and they finally today put their game together and showcased that oh well and, and england england has themselves has a superstar in their hands as well lauren james lauren james is is really his super 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 good yeah they, they have a superstar in there i mean three three goals and two assists and basically two two actual starts i mean that's dynamic she's been ridiculously good so far this tournament lauren james <laughs> So, yeah, and, and I would mostly agree with those teams. I think, you know, France is another team, you know, like France and Japan and England and Germany. It's, um, I think uh, I think those teams, you know, those are the teams you got to really look out for. I think they've been the most impressive so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I, and I think, you know, the Nigerians, I think, to me, it, is the team well? Both Nigeria and Colombia, I think, are two teams that uh, they're going. On, I, I, well, I think they'll both go on. I think Nigeria's advanced uh, and moved Nigeria on. Nigeria has advanced, Columbia and Colombia. I mean, Colombia's in a spot where I think all they need is, is a draw to advance. So I think they'll. And they'll I think they'll get it. I think they'll get the result. And I think that's a, those two teams. You know, those are two dark horse teams that uh, don't necessarily think that you know they're going to win the thing. But I think. Uh, if if you draw them in your knockout stages, you you, you have no. You got to watch out. Them. Yeah, you, you can't you take them lightly. Be prepared, and you have to play them. I agree, one hundred percent. Great up. Um, two very dangerous teams with with a lot of uh, young and skilled players that you know maybe aren't as well known in the women's game, uh, establishing themselves on, on the world stage. I yeah, I agree. All right, and, and uh, I'm not... off of the world stage and, and going 
going domestic first week in the, in the PLL, Premier Lacrosse League, for those that are unfamiliar with the game of lacrosse. Um, week number six, and uh, week, first, first week, week yeah. after the All-Star break. Yeah, first week after the All-Star break. Um, now let's, let's get into it. Uh, first off, I, I, let's, let's continue to give some shine. Uh, and let's give a little bit of a shine to the job that Brian Holman has done oh, for the yeah. Cannons Lacrosse Club. They for just sure. keep rolling once again this week. I mean, I mean, yeah, no, the the, the Cannons were were the worst team in the league last year. I think they got what one win last year. Uh, two, but, I think. Like but but I mean, and and they started off this year zero and two as well. But I mean, since then, four but straight all, wins. Much closer games this year. Oh you no, know? For, I don't for, know. For, for sure. I felt like they won zero and two, but you could you just you just sort of knew like they did go zero and two, but they were close games and they were just knocking on the door. Oh, for for, for sure, and on and honestly, I mean, well, and uh, I mean, right now, I mean, Marcus Holman is playing some great lacrosse. I mean, Marcus Holman is playing some very good lacrosse, along with um, well, and, and along with uh, Matt Cavanaugh, who scored a couple this weekend. Guys like Asher Nolting. Yeah, Asher Nolting looks really good, and I mean th- this is all without Lyle Thompson too. Um, and if if you don't if you don't follow across, Lyle Thompson is probably the best player in the world. Um, <laughs> very very good lacrosse player. Very good lacrosse player, and he's and he said he wasn't playing this year. Yeah, so yeah, so the so the Cannons have had to because of the worlds, and you know I'm sure whatever else he's got going on, and so. You know they weren't going to have him this year at all, and, and yeah, and arguably the best one, and it seemed it hasn't mattered. Um, no, they've all. been really good. I mean, they've been good. very, very good. Yeah, and, and arguably, I think probably of all the teams, they they've been, you know, maybe the most balanced in, in the way they've played. I mean, you look top to down that roster, and uh, there's no one really that just. It really pops out and it's like superstar, superstar. Oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you look off that lineup and there's really not a weakness. I mean, they... no, it's it's a very strong lineup throughout. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, they they they, they got guys up in attack like Holman and and Nolting, um, and then they got stretchers on the outside, guys like Chris Islanian and. Uh, you know Matt Campbell. And, yeah, yeah, uh, the, the the Villanova rookie. Yeah, Matt Campbell. Um, Villanova the, Matt Campbell. I yeah, mean, the, the shooters. Yeah, it's no. They, they've been able to stretch stretch teams. I mean, they they did it against the Redwoods this week too. They they stretched them. I mean, they they stretched the Redwoods all game. Made it made it really hard on the Redwoods to find a way through. And it easily dispatched them. Just I mean, again, just like I said, you know. Another week, another win, and they just keep on rolling this season. Uh, four yeah. straight victories. Yeah, and speaking uh, of offense, that 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 Archer's Water Dogs game. Wow, I mean, <laughs> talk about a fireworks show. They couldn't, they couldn't miss, and it did not disappoint. No, the the top two teams in the league, they couldn't miss. I mean, they were just, I mean, twelve. What was it? Twelve to ten after at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, neither one of them could miss. It was final. I mean, just wow. Yeah. Wow, oh, yeah. wow, 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 wow. Yeah, no, it's 
Although I gotta tell you, I think I gotta tell you, I think the water dogs look really good. I mean, because the, the water dogs did this without Connor Kelly, one one of their best shooters out there, and they still I mean, put Arch- up eighteen. He's arguably their best shooter, maybe the yeah. best shooter in the league. The guy is. Yeah, Connor Kelly is a flamethrower from outside, and they they were missing him, and they still put up 18 goals and made it a very close game with the Archers, 1918. Uh, the defending champs, they're uh, they are they're showing why they're defending champs. Well, I mean, they're just continuing where they left off from last year. They didn't start the year very well last year, but they just got it going towards the end, and and ended up winning the the championship. And they're just continuing right where they left off. They are. It's it's a great thing to see. And talking about well, you know, I, I don't I don't maybe not so great. It's a lot of Marin Terrapins on the team, but talking about a team that readily has been very good, but this year not so much. Finally had one of those uh, close affairs go their way. Talking about the Whip Snakes, uh, the one and four Whip Snakes. Oh yeah, the the, 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 the team. Week. The the team that lost one regular season game all last year. I mean, they, the Whip Snakes are they they're on the struggle bus right now. I mean, it's, it's the Whip Snakes are, are struggling to get a foothold right now in the, in their games that they're playing. Well, I, they certainly can't separate from anybody. I mean, no, I yeah. think that much is clear. And you know, and what do you do for Jim Stagney today? How do you rally the troops? Because you know, this team is. Uh, They've taken a step back, for sure. From oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Last, you know, from their first three years in the league, where they were dominant. I mean, they were the team. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the Whip Snakes have had a have had a really tough year. They just haven't, they just haven't looked really that good at all. I mean, it's. But yeah, they just. It's uh, it's a little bit of um, I don't know. It's a little predictable. The angle that they're uh, that they are they're attacking from, and in, in the ways that they're trying to get offense. Uh, well, I mean, because I, I I think it's it's just it's the same thing they did last year, right? Get the get the ball to Matt Rambo. Let him run the offense and be the quarterback, and it's and it, but it's always it's always just kind of the same thing, and it's and this year it's it's teams have, have just been able to stop it. I mean they've I mean don't get me wrong, Matt Rambo has still done Matt Rambo things, but he's Matt Rambo. I mean, but I just you can't exactly all entirely stop him, but certainly teams have done a much better job limiting the damage. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's and it shows in the in the record and shows in the results for the Whip Snakes. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been tough for, for the Whip Snakes. It's also been tough for the Atlas though. I, I was gonna say I think that's probably my you know another team about with surprise teams. That that's another that's like my another team that yeah, really, really surprising how poor their season's gone as well. 
a team with an absurd amount of talent out there. Jeff T. I mean, I mean, Jeff T. and um, Chris, Chris Gray, Gray on the same team, and and then Eric Law, the veteran. Eric Eric Law, the veteran attackman presence on the inside. I mean, it, it's a very good team, but it's just right now. And then Trevor Baptiste, the probably the greatest faceoff guy of all time, winning like what? What is he winning? Like eighty percent of his draws right now. I was just saying, you know, I I think kind of the most mind-boggling set of all of them is you got a guy with an 80. I mean, you're, you're getting most games, you are getting you're getting like 80% of possession. I mean, you're playing make it, take it all game long. And somehow, with all that possession, you're still 2-4. and four. Yeah, it's... You're, you're losing. And it's not like you're losing close too. you know, their goal differential is, is minus 10 on the season. Yo, and look, I think you, that's even after this week's win. This week, yo, look, you know another thing that I think is contributing to this, like the, the the way that they've now set it up, where like when you when when they win a face off straight off the draw, the shot clock's only at thirty two. It's 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 made it it's made it, you have to set up your offense quicker, and so it's not it hasn't really allowed Atlas to, and, and also that basically means Trevor Baptiste has to stay on the field for that entire possession. Right, he, he he can't just get off and because it would take too much well, time. So yeah, he can't. But they, it, you have to be quick about your sub game, and you have to be yeah. on point. Yeah, so it's um, it's it's been tough on the Atlas with that thirty-two second shot clock, and it's, so what, uh, what do you think that says about uh, the future of the face-off guy in the PLL? If it's if it's that quick of a shot clock, what? I guess how do you think other teams are finding success with their guys? Well, well, for, well, for sure, right now it's. The the faceoff guy is no longer a faceoff getoff guy. He's no longer a fogo. I mean, the, the, these guys have to be able to. These guys have to be able to play on the field. I mean, they have to be able to win the faceoff, but then you know, stay on the field for offense or maybe even for defense. They have to be able to do that right now, the way that the game's being played. Right, as, but... fast, as fast as the game's being played right now, they have to be able to stay on the field and, and contribute. Which most of these guys aren't used to doing because the college game's still very much. Oh, the, the college game is yeah. The college game is still very much a, a face-off, get-off, photo face type off, game. Yeah. So, so, yeah, no, it's 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 gonna take so it's gonna take an evolution. I think it's gonna take an, evo- an evo- evolution of the college game too. Really, um, these 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 face-off guys are gonna have to be more prepared coming into the pros. Okay. Um, so well, so now that you know the PL is three years old, and, and you've seen that that the numbers are, are going up, that the league is upward trending. Um, and, and I think that kind of from going forward now, um, I think that there's a lot of benefit in both the PLL and the NCAA being in sort of lockstep. Not the same in all their rules. I mean, obviously, keep small differences, like in the NFL, you know, two foot down, college one. Um, but I guess how, how do you, Tyler... And you know, let's open up the discussion here. You know, what do we what do we see as sort of the I guess the evolution of the NCA and kind of aligning with the PLL as the league, you know, clearly is gaining traction and I think it's here to stay. Yeah, so I think the NCAA game it's, How do you think that's going to evolve because of the success of the PLL, the, the NCA? Yeah, I I think the, the NCAA game is going to. It it's all the NCAA is almost going to be like to to me it's it's going to be kind of like a 
it's almost it's like it's like it's like these guys are finally going to be able to say oh like like the way it's going on these guys are finally going to say like okay i can make a i can make a career out of this right like you can you can play college across and then you can be prepared to go to the pros because for, for years for years it's been i mean you can't make a living off of lacrosse being a professional lacrosse player there's just not enough right. money there unless you're paul rabel and you get a bunch of endorsements but well, exactly like, or yeah you you can't, which is the whole point of why Rabel created the league, is he wanted to form a professional lacrosse league that players could dedicate their craft to their craft to the game of lacrosse and make a living. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I mean, now that that's here, yeah, like I, I, I you know, I think that that completely changes sort of the game and the way the NCAA looks at its its rules oversight and its its committee and rules recommendations. Um, uh, you know, and just kind of how 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 the game at the college level is played because I think you're, we're slowly starting to see yeah that sort of I guess that professionalization of the game, which in turn. Uh, you know, makes college now much more of a sort of like a minor league system. Well, but I also think it's good that some of these um some of these PLL players are now like assistant coaches on college teams. Like um yeah so like so, yeah some of these some of these guys in the pros are are also being like assistant coaches on in um on college teams and it's 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 helping. Well, the, it's helping yeah. the guys in college kind of develop their game as well to prepare themselves. I think it's also helping the uh, the coaching pool in, in the game, which I think that's you know really I think more so than its growth in, in sort of the current landscape. Um, I think has always been a, another really big barrier to lacrosse becoming. A major a, um, a, a, a countrywide sport, yeah. Countrywide uh, sport is, you yeah. know, we we've just not had the 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 number of coaches of of skilled, of knowledgeable, um, of qualified coaches to be able to roll out, you know, say four major lacrosse conferences comprising teams teams that really should have programs that don't teams like Boston College, yeah, you know, and major. Division One A programs, USC, USC, UCLA, teams like that, Stanford, right? It's um, yeah, uh, it's, I think it's been... there's just there's just not enough coaches that, that like like on the western side of things, right? Right. It's, it's it the, all these coaches are, are eastern based, um, so there's there's not enough coaches towards the western side, so it's the quality is just not there right now, which. Which is something that I think was so exciting when was so exciting when Bill Tierney went to went to Denver, to be the coach of, of Denver's lacrosse program. Like he went westward to to develop Denver's lacrosse program and won a national championship there. So it's I think that was, I think that needs to happen more in terms of like th- these guys need well, to go. I think the PLL and I I think the PLL's presence helps that a lot like you said these 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 PLL guys that are also you know in the off time of the PLL that are assistant coaches at, at major division programs I think the more we see that I mean I think you know as we go into 2024 and we now have 
sort of regional or city hubs for all APLL teams. Uh, I think that only grows is where guys now actually will be established within, you know, Western communities because their teams is sort of well, yeah, and then, yeah, there and they it, move and they. I I, uh, I mean they can they can have camps and they they can have like camps and stuff like that and I it, absolutely but I just think the whole way that the PLL is set up was was a brilliant was a brilliant way to spread the game I mean traveling to different cities. I mean, and then they stay there for a full week and they, they have camps at these different cities where kids can come out and they can they can have, they can play with these professional players. The, the way the whole PLL was set up was was really rather brilliant. And I think the model it just it's it's a smart business model because you know the it's hard if you're a developing sport or if you're a growing sport to model it like a traditional established league that has cities and teams in those cities um, yeah. because you're just you're not generating or you're not maximizing the potential exposure that you can with like a touring model oh yeah yeah for sure where you know where you have x number of teams and and within those teams, you just go around to different parts of the country. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so it's uh, another week in the PLL, an exciting week. You know, archers, tannins, and water dogs at the top of the standings, and uh, and then some of your are some of your you know traditional powerhouses at the bottom. I, I mean, kind of surprisingly, I mean, you, I mean, Chrome's one in five right now. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I think they they hurt they hurt the first few weeks when Brendan Nickturn wasn't available. Brendan Nick because Brendan Nickturn is is one of their best players, so they they hurt the first few weeks when he wasn't available. But like even still now, I mean, it's just the Chrome just don't look very very good right now. So a lot of change going on, you know, as we're talking in in several different sports. The the typical powers that be. Well, and then like I mean, uh, honestly, like <laughs> switching switching to like football and stuff like that. I mean, it's like speaking power power shifts. I mean, the Pac-12 is is going under. I mean, seriously, oh, it's absolutely going under. Right? The the league's just gonna cave in on itself, but. You're hearing rumors of Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten, and Colorado's then, uh, Colorado said that they're going back to the Big Twelve. Back to the Twelve. Um, Arizona, I think Arizona was holding a is holding a board meeting today to determine Arizona's whether they want to go. Link to, 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 to determine whether they want to go to the Big Twelve. Um, I think with the Big Twelve. Uh, yeah, and then Utah, another team that's you know, but interesting. The Utes don't want to go, which I don't know what their AD is thinking. I mean. Sorry, man, but the whether you like it or not, your league is going to implode. The Pac-12. Oh, the, the uh, Pac-12 is, is already imploding. I mean, they, they lost their two biggest not, schools. USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, they, they lost their two biggest schools. I mean, that's huge. In five years, that conference is not going to be around. No, I mean, well, no, especially with, with the way that everything's going, it's like the, the super conferences right now. I mean, like the the Big Ten has is adding USC and UCLA. There's talk that Oregon and Washington join the Big Ten. There, there, there's talk that Clemson and Florida State join the Big Ten, right now. 
like from the ACC. I mean, yeah, the way that, I heard that rumor, yeah, that the, the, the way that these things are going, it's like super conferences are just are being formed right now, and it's um so it's it's something that the Pac-12 will definitely not be around for much longer. It's all about TV money and rights and, and oh for sure pots and uh you know in in the big bad world of uh well of nil you know you you have to find a way to sort of expand your athletic budget a little bit you know because you you gotta you gotta set aside now you know 12 15 million dollars yeah, NIL's changed everything. NIL has NIL has changed absolutely everything. It, with, with the way that recruiting's done, with the way that everything—I mean, with the way that everything's done right now—it's changed everything. But it's a little bit like the Wild Wild West out there. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I, I certainly think the coming down the pipeline is going to be some sort of uh, regulation with NIL because what we're seeing now is—I mean, any. Just about anything goes. Well, I mean, I mean, right now we're seeing we're seeing schools pay guys to to I mean, like straight like pay guys to come and 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 play for this. I mean, like there like there are um, former players of these schools just like doing everything they can to try to get these guys to come there. I mean, I mean, like when when Texas when Texas was, was recruiting Arch Manning this past year, they spent like five hundred thousand dollars on his visit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I- I read that. Yeah, I mean, five hundred thousand dollars just on just on his visit to make it like the best visit ever. Visit. Yeah, it, the NIL is, has changed absolutely everything right now. The way that but it's this, going. This, you know, it's interesting because this is. I think that everyone complains of like, oh, NIL it's ruining college. Um, I think there needs to be regulation, but I also think that at the same time, this just exposes what has always been among the big brokers and the big powers that be in college football for a while now. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't yeah, yeah. think people realize just how much money college football makes, and I don't think people realize just how much money schools spend on college football. And I think now with this this kind of Wild West air and NIL that we're in currently, I think you're seeing, people are finally seeing, you know, underneath on the underbelly how you know just how how much of a business and how lucrative you know this this sport is oh yeah yeah money just changed hands yeah no for sure and i think it's taking people some people back like oh my god you know this isn't uh wow like this is ridiculous this this you know, all this money is ruining, uh, ruining the game. And, and while to an extent, I do agree. I think something that is slowly being lost that unfortunately is probably never going to come back. I think that always separated the college game and, and as a product, I sold it more to more people than even the NFL uh, was that I don't the the traditionalism some of the the unique kind of celebrations and and traditions and rivalries that schools well, had with one another. Well, so, so that's the thing, right? With, with all this conference realignment and stuff like this, I mean, rivals rivalries will be lost 
big rivalries will be lost now with all the with all this conference realignment. I mean, seriously, really big rivalries will be lost. I mean, um, now, like, um, with Oklahoma moving to the SEC, I mean, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State won't play anymore. The Battle of Bedlam, yep, that's gone. So that's gone. Um, It's just, it's all kind of, um, it's just, you know, in a way, it's all, the rivalries are just going to kind of fade away with time. The, The major rivalries with the way the conference realignments are going. Well, you know, in in rivalries like, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, some not, I guess not as well known rivalries like, uh, you know, uh, trying to think. Well, I mean, okay. Rivalries like the backyard brawl, like Pitt, West Virginia, that that went away a long time ago. Uh, Well, yeah, yeah. Well, and then honestly, just like, just like things were like, um, USC and Notre Dame play each other a lot, right? USC and Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, USC and Notre Dame play each other a lot. Like they like to, but so I mean, but now the way that it is with USC joining the USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, I mean, who knows how often that's going to happen anymore? Well, yeah, well, in conference schedules now, it's like everyone wants like a nine-game conference schedule, so you got to you got to drop a you have to drop a game. Yeah, and unfortunately, most teams a game their non-conference game they're going to drop. It's not going to be the cupcake non-conference game. It's going to be the, it's going to be the, you know, well. Yeah, the, 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 the yeah the, the competitive big non-conference game. So like USC and Notre Dame, right? Also, how much longer is Notre Dame going to stay independent for? You know, as much as I think their 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 whole entire administration is a, a very aligned on they want to maintain independence, I think there's eventually going to come a day. I don't know when, but it's some well, point. Well, they can't anymore. Probably within I wouldn't within the next um, five ten years. I think five ten years where they're where may I don't maybe they might not have to join a conference, but they're gonna have to. They're going to have to enter the enter the the pool. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be hard for Notre Dame to continue to stay independent with with the completely. way that all this, yeah, um, completely independent with the way with the way that all this conference alignment and everything else goes. I, I do think that Notre Dame is is maybe the only institution in America and the only school that because of their brand and just because of what Notre Dame means to sort of their alumni network. Oh, you know, for sure. Yeah, brokers. Yeah. I, and, and just companies and, you know, just people in general, uh, you know, I, as a brand, uh, you know, I, well, I don't they're, know. The, they're the only team, they're the only college with a, with a big enough brand to actually be able to stay independent you know, like that. We want to talk about brands. We're talking about national. Notre Dame is such a big brand. It, Notre Dame is global in a brand. Oh, yeah. You know, for sure. It, it's not just, oh, the United States. It's like Notre Dame is known worldly and i think that in itself gives them a lot of power and a lot of flexibility and they can they can i think eventually in the next five ten years they're going to have to align with the conference but i do think that they're maybe the only program in the country left that they will be able to maintain a level of independence and they'll be able to control and you know broker uh, all right We'll, we'll we'll align with you, Big Ten, but this is. But we'll still have. But, 
Yeah, but we'll, we'll still have all control as well. That, right? We're not yeah. going to um, yeah. to protect the Notre Dame brand because while I, I do think that they're going to have to, I also think that you know Notre Dame is a school that their independence is probably the best thing for them. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a brand. It just protects them. It, it It's something that stands out. Um, so I think Notre Dame will, but I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to have to fully join a conference. Uh, I think no, that I, they don't, I don't think they will, but they will have to the align proper, themselves. They will have the to align proper, themselves. Uh, the proper infrastructure in place to be able to still get the deals and the television rights, just mm-hmm. exclusively to Notre Dame that they they want to be able to maintain uh, for the most part that independence. Um, yeah. Speaking of deals, they're set to sign re-sign with Under Armour for I think. Reportedly, well, it's, it, it's a decade. It's another decade for another for decade. Reportedly, the largest uh, apparel deal, richest in the history of college football. Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame's we saw was under for yeah. another decade. Notre yeah. Dame, I think, is okay. Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame sh- should be should be somewhat okay. To keep it's it on pretty- that football side, though, um, you know, talking about the Big Ten, the Pac-12. Uh, just doing a little preview as we lead up only a month away from the season, you know, let's, 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 you know, talking about the football, it's focusing on, on the gridiron and the football side of it. Uh, what are we thinking going this year? And let's go ahead and start with the, let's start with the big 12. Yes. So uh, members joining the conference, you got Houston, you have Houston, Cincinnati, UCF and BYU joining the conference. What? What what do we what do we think? Well, so like okay, so Oklahoma and Texas final year, obviously. Um, so I mean, it's it's their final year in the conference um, before joining the SEC. Happen. You know, I honestly, I mean, I think Texas is Texas is trying to get back, but it's something that Texas. Do we want to believe the once again, or do we want do we want to believe that uh, that. This time, that finally, the uh, the experts are right, and that Texas is the best is going to be the number one team uh, coming out of the Big Twelve this year. Do we, do we want to finally buy into the Kool Aid, or are we still saying they're I, not? I mean, back? I think it's really hard to say because I mean, Arch Manning probably won't start immediately. Let's be real. I mean, he's probably he's a viewers. he he he's probably. a freshman, so it'll be ewers. And I mean, Ewers, can be good, right? But he's he can be very inconsistent in his play sometimes. He was last year. Do you think this year's taken a leap? Do you think in that consistency? Because when he's good, he's pretty darn good. Well, yeah, no. When he plays well, he plays very well. But there's just sometimes that he sometimes he just he falters really. Although you know, I mean, maybe the added competition of Outmaning being there is is has helped him kind of develop. And also, I mean, I think. Steve, listen. Steve Sarkeesian is probably the best option at coach they've had in in a long time now. Oh, so you think Sark's their best hire that they had? Well, in, in a while, at least. I, I think I think Steve Sarkeesian, in for the first time in a while, is actually a guy that could maybe help them get back to a spot of respectability yeah. again. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know. We'll see. I mean, reports that I, I've heard out of Texas is that Manning's arrival has 
uh, has pushed Ewers to elevate a little bit. Supposedly, well, and, well, I think it's it's also brought ex- it's also brought excitement stuff. back. It's brought excitement back to the program. Um, and and when they got Arch Manning, they got a bunch of other guys um, to to come to come to Texas as well. But I, it's 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 really hard to say with them. I think it, they're really kind of a team. You just gotta you you gotta see them. For, you gotta see them through the first few weeks, and then you. It's, uh, yeah, so kind of a week week to week sort of assessment of the Texas program. I, I, as it always is, it seems over the last decade or so. It's it's Which, just. I a, mean, hey, they they play one great game, one ga- you know great game one week. Uh, yeah. No. You know, and all of a sudden, oh, Texas is back, and then the next week they're losing to. Uh, middling my 12 team so so yeah I, th- I think it's something that you'll you'll have to kind of see and what about oklahoma what about the other sort of big boy both of them leaving for the sec next year in 2024 what 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 do we look what do we think about the outlook on oklahoma so oklahoma is a totally different look. second year yeah oklahoma is a totally different look though right because prior to brett venables it was lincoln riley who's an offensive mastermind an offensive genius so they, they were all offense, no defense. Brent, Brent Venables comes. He was a defensive coordinator at Clemson. It's two completely different philosophies here. Yeah, but they were still all, all offense. No, well, actually, they were no offense, no defense last year. <laughs> yeah, they no, they were just bad last year. It was... Um, <laughs> they weren't even... I mean, uh, now, here's the thing. Like, Brent, Brent Venables has gotten some, uh, I think, a couple five-star five-star defensive recruits to come to Oklahoma this this past recruiting cycle. Yes, and he's also gotten a couple big-time offensive guys, uh, a la Jackson Arnold. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, Brent Venables is, is, was a great defensive coordinator at Clemson, fantastic defensive coordinator at Clemson. It's different to be a head coach. And I, I you, think are you, are you are you kind of letting to see how this year goes till you cast a judgment on on kind of him as a coach or I, I mean all things considered, I mean he didn't do a bad job last year. I mean it was it was a team that that it was an Oklahoma team that lost Lincoln Riley, that lost Caleb Williams, that lost some other guys that went with Lincoln Riley to USC. So it was and it was an entirely different team. So I think it's it. In fairness to Brent Venables, it was a tough situation to come into. So oh, I, sure. I, I mean, I, he, he got the kitchen sink raided on him, unfortunately, oh, yeah. when Lincoln left. Uh, Lincoln, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, you, it's, you just you have to be honest with yourself. When Lincoln left, he took all of Oklahoma's best players. And he left. Oh, I mean, Caleb Williams went. Yeah, Caleb Williams went with him. I, I mean, all, all these guys that just that went that went with Lincoln Riley because they wanted to, they still wanted to play with Lincoln Riley. It um, it, it hurt for Brent Venables. But I, I, again, all things considered, I mean, Brent Venables. What Oklahoma? Oklahoma still went what eight and four last year? Uh no, they went six and seven. I think. Was it uh, whatever? But it, it all things considered, I don't really think Oklahoma was. I think Brent Venables did a decent job last year. So I, I think, I think this year he can. I think he now he has a full he has a full off season under his belt. He can it's he, he can continue to kind of imprint his system on the team. I, I think it'll be a different. It's definitely different from when Lincoln Riley was there, but I don't think it's going to be bad necessarily. You think that win total goes up this year for Brent Venables in Oklahoma? 
I think so. Think he gets a, a bowl berth and a bowl win this year. I, I mean, I, I think so. I, I think it's gonna be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I believe so. I mean, Brent. I mean, again, Brent Venables is. It's, he's a good. He's a good. Um, he's a good leader for, of players. So I, I think so. He'll be. He'll be okay. I think Oklahoma will be okay. Okay. And then I let's see. Uh, what, what what about the rest of the Big Twelve this year? So what about what about I mean, teams that stepped up last year? Kansas State, TCU. Right. So I, I look at TCU. What do we what do what do we what do we uh, what are we thinking going on this year from that bunch of teams? Yeah. So I, I look at TCU and I and I, I look at TCU and I see a team that last year was outstanding. There's no other way to put it. They they were they were outstanding last year. TCU. Um, now obviously they lost in the national championship game. They got they got outclassed by Georgia, but that's um, that's a di- that's a different story. But I just think throughout the Big Twelve season, TCU was really good, but they lost a lot of guys. Well, they lost their quarterback Doug, and they, they lost, lost their they lost their running back. They they, they 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 lost a lot of guys TCU this year. Um, they lost they lost their linebacker. Um, they lost. They lost a couple defensive backs in that defense. So they lost a lot of guys out there. Um, I still think they'll be a good team. I, I think they've. I think um, they've. They've kind of been building a program that over there. I think Sony Dykes is uh, is is creating something pretty pretty special. I think he's done a really good job with TCU. I think he's done an excellent job with TCU. I mean, just last year in general, but then like I think even uh, even previous years prior to that, he's just been developing the team. But if you ask me if I think they're going to do the same thing this year that they did last year, no, because they they no. lost too they lost too many guys, um, way too many guys for them to do this same thing that they did last year. I still think they'll be good, but they just won't be as won't good. Be, won't be playoff playoff upset good. No. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Kansas State is a physical team. Kansas State likes to be physical in the run game. Um, uh, Adrian Martinez, the the former Nebraska quarterback, that that's their quarterback now. Um, he was. Uh, I think he was a graduate student, so I think he. he oh, he's a graduate student. Okay, well. But but they have the they what they do have the the Howard guy. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. It? You're right. Yeah. That but actually, um, he filled in really admirably when. Martinez. Well, 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 yeah, when, when Martinez went down with injury last year, yeah, for sure. Here and uh, I think that Kansas State can can you know I think at their their ceiling they can actually replicate uh, kind of what they did last year. I think they got well, their quarterback think, back. Yeah, I mean it's it's a physical Kansas State's a physical team. They like to run the ball on you, and they, they like to run the ball. They like to pound the rock on you, and then they, they like to play defense. Kansas State. I think their biggest question, I think Howard's a really great quarterback for them, and he's a guy that can stretch the field, he can hit the deep shot, um, you know, if they if they want to, if they need be. Um, but, like you said, they're a physical team. It's, it's a team built on sort of a, a more, I guess, old-school approach to the game. It's a team built on the line. It's, I it's, think for them, the biggest question is, what does that line look like this year? And then uh, what committee, or if there's a guy that emerges, what guys replacing Deuce Vaughn? Well, yeah, that's who's the thing, right? I mean, the next man up that's going to 
create that same, or who are the next guys that are going to collectively create that same kind of impact? Yeah, because because Deuce Vaughn was was that do it all guy for them. I mean, I think that really to me that's sort of the the X factor in how their season's going to go. So if they can get a, a, a trio or a quartet or a group of guys that can kind of match collectively that kind of production, I yeah. think that Kansas City will be all right. And I think you're looking at a possible you know back to back. A Big Twelve title game appearance team. I think that. I think so. I, I think you could. I Wyman's think you could definitely. Done have a, that. a really great job in sort of carrying on the the Bill Snyder uh, culture that's made Kansas State uh, a, in the last twenty years a, a pretty good, successful, you know, uh, middle middle of the road college college football program. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. So, you know, um, I think it, it's all, it all comes down to the running back position for them, and what kind of versatility are they going to get out of those guys? Yeah, or if someone emerges out of them and takes the charges the alpha uh, yeah. male, you know, and, and then I think Texas Tech is a team, you know, briefly complete opposite air raid, throw the air ball. Raid. They're building. Uh, I think that that's another team that you look at and you go, okay, they've they're they're building something. You know, I'm not saying Um, anything, but for 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 the Kansas Jayhawk fans out there, you actually, I mean, they they won some games last year, (laughs) made a bowl game for the first time in what twenty thirty years or something like that, Kansas. I mean, they're Kansas, but, you know, I think that their coach there, Lance Leopold, I think I think he's he's building a program the way that you have to build a program at, at a school like Kansas. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So, it's, it's uh, I think this year, you know, much like last year, I really think, if Texas doesn't do what people think they're going to do, uh, I think the Big 12 is uh, it's wide open. a real toss-up this year. Yeah, wide it's, open. It's, it's wide open for sure. Um, no question. I mean, like, Speaking of a conference uh, that's not so wide open, I, I think in the Big 10, I think you have a very clear hierarchy. Well, I think you have a very clear top three, right? Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. The, the, I mean, that's it's clearly your, your top three teams in the Big 10. For sure. Well, in this year, no division, so you know it's like those three teams could oh, yeah. either any right any combination they could play each other in the Big Ten title game. If you know, well, I mean, I mean for, for, for all we know, I mean, like they could they could go they could go each each of them could could beat the other team, right? I mean, like uh, I mean, let, let's say that Mich- let's say that Michigan beats Ohio State but loses to Penn State. Let's let's say that Penn State beats Michigan but loses to Ohio State. And then Ohio State beat uh beats Penn State but loses to Michigan. It would it would cause it would make it it would make them all one and one versus each other. It would kind of it would be very um cancel each other out, yeah. It definitely would. Uh, and uh you know kind of looking in uh I guess we'll start with your team, Tyler. You know what are we? What are we thinking about for the Michigan Wolverines? They were a lot of returning guys. 
They got J.J. McCarthy back. They have Blake Corum back. They got Donovan, we got Donovan Edwards back. We got Donovan Edwards back. It's um, it, it's a team. It, it's a it's a veteran team right now. It's a team with a lot of talent on it. Um, but it's a team that's this 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 is a team that actually has pressure on it now, right? The the, the last two seasons. Nobody really expected all. I mean, people. I mean, it, the pressure wasn't as high, but like people come into this year, like, oh, Michigan's made the college football playoffs two years in a row now. Right. They come into this year like saying, this is this could be the year, right? So there is pressure. They're they're in a spot they haven't been in yet, which is pressure. Well, in a long in a long time, they're in a spot they've been right because now there's an expectation. They they've been two years, and they're bringing a lot of those guys back from that that team last year. And it's, it's a talented roster, right? So Blake Corm, one of the best running backs in football. Um, Donovan Edwards. I mean, I, and as far as as far as I think the the, the way that they're going to utilize them is, I think they're going to they're going to kind of unlike last year when Blake Corm took most of the carries and then he got hurt late in the season, which did not help Blake Corm getting hurt late in the season. Um, I think they're going to split the carries more evenly, so it'll Do more it, by like one two committee. Yeah, so it'll it'll make it to where maybe they don't maybe Blake Corn doesn't get hurt, Donald Edwards doesn't get hurt, so they'll split the carries more evenly there. Um, and then in, in terms of um, McCarthy, um, you know last year last year was his full was his first full year as a starting quarterback, um, and even even last year he didn't really get he didn't really get a chance to throw the ball very much during the during the off season. In, in like training in like in training before the football season started because he had a shoulder injury right Th- this mm-hmm. year this year he had a full off season to to throw the ball and um so I, I think it I think we're looking at, at McCarthy if McCarthy has a good season he could be a first round NFL draft pick so I I, I, I think you're assessment just, we're just looking at a Michigan team that is more veteran but at the same time has more pressure on it so do you it, think it's a, do you think that they have enough to fight do you to finally get over that hump? I, I mean I think if any if the, if any year is going to be it it's going to be this year. I mean I mean a lot of other teams have question marks. Ohio State has question marks. I mean who's going to be Ohio State's quarterback? They're in a quarterback battle right now so we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Kyle McCord and uh, the other guy. Devin so yeah um Ohio State doesn't really have a dominant running back either, so who's gonna who's gonna be that that running back guy for them? Um, and it's so the, I mean, obviously, let's let's be real. Ohio State has the best receiver in college football. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison, well, let's, let's be real. They have easily, not even close, the best receiver in college football. So Marvin Harrison is wide receiver number one for sure. Um, and so they still have a very they still have a very good receiving core. Ohio State. But, but they're, I think they're question like you said, and, and then for you know Penn State, same thing with them. It's like Drew Alaire is supposed to be their guy, but you know he's and well, he's, well and then and it's the opposite, right? Oh, Penn State has two really good running backs. Penn State has a really good running back tandem out there right now. Um, the the, the two and freshmen, the, Allen and yeah, Nixon. Yeah, the, the the two freshmen from last year were dynamic last year, and they have a really good running back running back tandem. Penn State, so that's a, so Penn State's a good team, and it's it's a team that both Ohio State and Michigan have to watch out for. I mean, if you cannot take Penn State lightly this year, 
Well, you At can't all. take them, and especially I think for you know them, much like I say, it's going to all come down to the quarterback. Now for Penn State, they know who their starter is going to be week one. It's going to be Drew Aller. So the question now becomes for Penn State: What Drew Aller are you going to get this year? Are you going to get the guy that you sort of stole from a lot of our top programs that you think is the your next great quarterback? Well, and, and also, who, well, and also, what receivers are you putting around him? Mm-hmm. What what type of receiving talent are you able to put around him? Because obviously, you know the running game. You know the running game is going to be good, but you can't go in the running game the whole time. So the question is, what receivers are they going to put around him, and how well is he going to is he going to th- be throwing the football this year? Those are, those are two question marks for Penn State right now. That have to be answered, and will probably will probably be answered in the first few weeks of the season. And I think it's really that's going to determine for them kind of where their season is going to go and and where kind of how high their ceiling could be. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's 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 a top very heavy top three, and I think after that you've got a lot of really you know, average teams when you look at the Big Ten. It's oh yeah, it's, no, it's for sure. I mean. Insane. Yeah, no, it's 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 yeah, it's pretty average from from the from those top three out. But yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I think, I mean, last year there really wasn't any difference between like Wisconsin and Illinois and Indiana and Minnesota. I mean, th- these teams were all kind of around the same spot right there. Right, they just shuffled week to week and they changed. Right. Yeah, exactly. so I think it, it'll be pretty much the same this year. It those those teams will kind of just be shuffling and be very close together. The rest of the Big Ten. Well, you know, and going back to Michigan, I guess you know, let's 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 say that come the end of the year they make the playoff and then they lose again. Now, what? I guess if they can't get over the hump this year, uh, how how do how do you know fans like yourself of the program, or how does the outside start viewing Michigan? So I think um, right now, I mean, the the program's on the program is on the biggest up that we, the, the we're on the biggest like uphill thing uh, uphill like um, we're Fine, we're, yeah. we're improving more than we have in in the last like decade. I mean, um, our uh, what we've done in the last two years is better than what we've done in the last decade almost combined. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think at a certain point, you 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 can be you can be as good as you want, but until you get over that hump and you win and you in now, you know, listen, we what we've done, we got over the hump of beating Ohio State. I mean, Michigan lost to Ohio State eight years in a row. So well, you, and then and, well, eight years in a row, and then I think in the last previous to you know two thousand and twenty. Or no, two previous to two thousand twenty one, they lost to Ohio State like fifteen of the last sixteen times. Yeah, fifteen of the last sixteen, eight, eight, eight in a row, right? So it's it's something that Michigan finally was able to. Michigan was finally able to do one thing, right? Beat Ohio State twice. They've they've beaten Ohio State twice in a row now. They've won the Big Ten twice in a row now. They've made the playoffs two times. So now it's now it's a matter of get to the national championship, win the national championship. And I, I think it's um, really, it's something that 
needs to be done soon in order for in order for the for, in order for there still to be kind of some faith there in the in the program and again i think if any if any year is going to be the year it, it's going to be this year um it's because it's a veteran team um it's a good team and so if any year is going to be the, the year it's going to be this year and i i so i think it has to get done soon um yeah all right okay uh, before we move on to our next topic it's one more team that I, I i think we should put a little shine on is the iowa hawkeyes yeah yeah what, what, what do we think about their uh off-season additions particularly on the offensive side of the ball and how much of a difference do we think that's going to make in 2023 we know that defensively it's probably the best program year in and year out uh arguably that's not in the sec uh, on the defensive side they're they're consistently playing uh but their big question has always been offense uh, the, you know, fun, interesting enough, they got a couple of Michigan guys. <laughs> yeah, K, yeah, Kate, Kate McNamara Kate and, um, yeah, Kate McNamara and, and our tight end, um, Eric Hall. Yeah, Eric Hall. What difference do you think that's going to make for Iowa? And kind of where, where does that put them this year, the Hawkeyes? You know, I, I think it's something, it's, um, you know, it's 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 an Iowa team that obviously oh, you're right, obviously thrives on defense, but off I mean offensively last year they were terrible. Um, offensively last year they were they were god awful. Um, and Probably I think you know one of the worst offenses I think I ever watched. In, in yeah, I mean, no, I mean, in in the. 20 or so years that you know that I I've followed college football no it was bad probably, probably, it, one of, probably the worst offense that I've ever watched no I, no I I honestly don't even know how different it's gonna be I mean they didn't get rid of their offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz is still their offensive coordinator so I don't really know how I don't even know how much different it's going to be out there. Now, if you ask me, do I think Cade McNamara is a better quarterback than the last guy they had? Or, what was it, Spencer Petrus? Then yes, I do. But it doesn't change the fact that they're that that they're they're still similar type of quarterbacks. They're just you know um, throw the ball short. Game and, managers. Yeah, game manager quarterbacks um, target the tight ends a lot. That doesn't that doesn't change that. That change that. And, and again, like it's the same offensive coordinator. Brian Ferentz is still the offensive coordinator. We don't really think there's going to be much of a difference. We think Iowa's going to go. Uh, I we think Iowa's going to go. Um, I mean, I, I think they I think they have to get rid of Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator. I understand Kirk Ferentz is the coach and it's his son, but I just think it's it's not it's clearly not working. It's. Yeah, but we also know that it's never going to happen as long as Kirk, Fer- Kirk French is the coach. Well, no, for, for, for sure, but it's just... And I was I, never going to fire him. <laughs> yeah, no, I... So, yeah. He's going to leave before I was going to fire Kirk Ferentz. Oh, because, well, I was you know, I was never going to fire Kirk Ferentz. What, listen, what Kirk Ferentz, 
what Kirk Ferentz has done for the for the Iowa program has he's he's done everything for them. Um, so they'll they'll never fire him. But I mean, Brian Ferentz is just not the answer at offensive coordinator. He's just not. He's not. No, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think I think unfortunately he's Kirk will never fire his son, and Iowa will never fire Kirk. And so I, I think until until Kirk steps away, I think Iowa fans are gonna have to resign themselves to the fact that for the next you know ten years I don't know how long Kirk Ferentz is gonna coach, but for like the next ten years the offense is going to be how the offense is going to be. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. Now, right. honestly, on to, on to the one of the, the biggest things in, in football, in, in off-season football this year, the whole situation with NFL running backs. I, I what, do you th- what do you think on that? Talk of, I mean, God, it's, you know, they are just, they're getting devalued at a at a alarming rate alarming rate alarming I mean, rate that's what teams are saying um is they're saying that you know oh you want oh you want you want to get paid you know uh like around quarterback numbers you you know you want uh guarantee guarantees in your contracts you know upwards of the upwards of the like sixty million dollar range. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh Nah. Yeah, no, that's fine. We'll let you go. We'll just go. We'll just go grab a guy. You know. Well, it, it's listen. It's it's the way. Our... It's the way that the NFL is nowadays, right? I mean, listen. The reality is, the NFL is a pass heavy league now. Um. And, and in truth, I mean, NFL teams find running backs all over the place. I mean, you, you see teams pick up undrafted running backs, and then they go out and they're the starting running back for the year. Um, so it's, it's running back is a position that teams can find a good running back almost anywhere. So th- they just don't feel like that they should that they really have to pay a a, a running back the type of money that they want to pay. It's interesting that you say that because I they can just go find the seventh round or kind of third string guy, you know. Uh, a guy that I well I, I guess that I I don't know if you know a lot of people talk about, but I think a guy that sort of kick this whole entire uh, crisis in the running back market. Um, it, a charger, but probably not for long. Uh, seventh round, former seventh round dropper, Austin Eckler. Oh, yeah, for, for, for sure, definitely. Um, uh, totally changed this idea that, oh, we don't have to draft a guy in the first round with our number one pick. You know, okay, we do. He 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 plays up to his draft pick and you know rightfully so he demands a certain value. Well, if we don't wanna pay that, we don't have to pay him. We'll just go well, replace him. Well I, but I think even this past year, right, for for the for the Cowboys, Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard for the Cowboys was more effective than Ezekiel Elliott at the running back position for the for the Cowboys. 
and the the cow and the Cowboys didn't want to pay Zeke, so they so they they, they what they, they've let they let him go, and they they franchise tag Tony Pollard. Yeah, but now they won't even pay Tony. Oh, well, exactly. And I don't but know it's if he's still out, but Tony, you know, Pollard, he's. I don't think he's been at training camp so far. No, I, I don't think he has. But so it's um. But yeah, the running back position has just been so incredibly devalued in in the recent years, and especially this off season, it's been I mean, it's been awful. What Saquon Barkley was franchise tagged a, a, a well, couple weeks ago. Trying to work out a deal with the Giants, sort of. But he did. I think he he sort of well, was like, yeah. He looked at a deal, but it's it's a one year deal. It's not a long term deal. It's a one year um, deal. Because for him, I think he looked at it as like, okay, I'll sign a one year with you, one year, one de- year deal with you, yeah. and I'll replicate what I did last year, and I'll prove to you why you need to pay me. Yeah, but it, that's it, it, just my line of thinking with why he finally agreed. To, it's better for me to play and to be on the field and to show my value than to sit out not play. Yeah, but then, but then the reality is, is that like it's, it's it's just hard because running backs get hurt all the time, because it's one of the toughest positions in well, the NFL. Like by far, running back, the, running the back shelf life is, and that, that's another reason why the positions become so devalued, though, is because of the shelf life of running backs is so is so short. And well, it's, I mean, a, a top and, like it's like running they, back and it's like they don't like want to pay, they, they don't want to pay these big long term contracts to running backs because. Chances are they get hurt, and then they're not the same anymore. I mean, look, look. Uh, the- because you know, if you just take averages, it's like say that a guy in his prime, you sign him to a big deal. It's a six-year deal. The average running back shelf life, you know, where they are at the top of their game, is is like three years. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but but look, look listen, look. The the Rams gave Todd Gurley that huge contract. A year later, he's hurt. And he's never he's never gotten back to the same form. I think that also plays a big part in this, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. Is that I think not only number one teams realized, oh, we don't need to pay a top running back. Um, we don't need to pay a top running back a big contract because we can just re- you know replace them by committee, or we can find people that can collectively do as good a job as him and, and provide that production. Well, then without... that's nothing, right? A lot of teams don't even go with one running back anymore. A lot of teams have multiple, have, have two, three running backs, and they, they rotate them in and out. And and that's and so it's it's really not one star running back anymore for a lot of teams. For a lot of teams, it's, it's by committee, right. um, which continues to devalue the, posi- the position. Because then, like, oh, we don't have to pay one guy this massive contract. We can just pay three guys much smaller contracts and still get what we want out of it. Uh, yeah, it's I, you know, it's it's really tough for those guys out there. So you know, and then that brings up the question: Where does the run? Where do we see the running back position going in the future? It. It, it's really continued to evolve into a position where half, I mean, it's like, honestly, the, the, the most successful running backs in the NFL nowadays are the guys like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler. Guys like that, that are, um, that, that are, that can run the ball, but are also very good receivers out of the backfield. Right, exactly. Guys, you can split out 
you know, in wide um, formation. Yeah, guys that are guys that are very, very good receivers out of the backfield as well, and that's so. There's a, and I think that's that's the direction the running back position is going to, is going to continue to go in. It's it's less of a guy who runs through the tackles and more of a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield and make plays. Yeah, exactly. Work in space. I think that that's the way the position can, is going to continue to go in the direction of. So you think then that the traditional running back is gonna is going to sort of slowly phase out and die in the well, league, I mean, I, and then eventually in college. I think the best way to look at it, look at look at some of the running backs that were drafted this past year. I mean, the I think the only true running back that was really drafted this in this past draft, Bijan Robinson. Was the only true like running like old school run run through the tackles running back Bijan Robinson? Look at the other guys though. Jameer Gibbs is a is a great receiver out of the backfield. Um, Deuce Vaughn is a great receiver out of the backfield. A, a lot of these guys, it's just that were drafted um, as running backs. It's just kind of it's it's the whole the whole thing that the whole way that teams look at running backs has completely changed. They want a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield and help you and, and help the team in the passing game. Um, so it's 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 changed entirely. Changed entirely. Yeah, well it I mean certainly it has and that's I I think it's really it's really interesting how you're seeing the um the 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 shift in in style and the way that you know teams are are re reevaluating positions, um, you know, and they're reevaluating kind of where their money is going in these contracts. Oh well, well, yeah, because well, because now I mean, let's let's just look at some of the big quarterback contracts that have been dished out in in the past in the past couple of years, and. Um, also, um, some of the some of the defensive end contracts that have been dished out, um, like like d- defensive end defensive ends that are getting big big contracts. Uh, yeah, I mean, guys, guys like Mahomes and Herbert that are getting paid. Yeah, it's big, um, big like, like huge huge amounts of money that take up Eagle. huge amounts of cap space. Um, so it's the running back position is I mean, just I mean, guys like uh, like. Uh, even really, I would think average quarterbacks, guys like Daniel Jones, that are are getting big deals as well. Oh yeah, I mean Daniel Jones got yeah got a pretty big deal as well. But he's I mean he's yeah I mean, he's kind of an average quarterback. Um, but I, it's just it's it's the way the NFL is going nowadays, and it's it's something that the running backs are gonna have to deal with. Um, because it's just the way that teams aren't willing to pay big amounts of money for a running back anymore. They're just not. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're going to have, there's going to be an adjustment period, but they're going to have to adjust. Okay, so the running, traditional running backs are going to have to evolve. Yeah, I mean, for, for sure. So I guess what 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 do you, so what what does that do to you know youth youth players that are thinking of you know, playing? I think that's another really interesting component. Of this is you know 
not that ten year olds are are understand really you know the money in that sense of contracts, but you know where I guess where at the youth level do you see this you know devaluation of the running back change? You know, well, the choices that kids make and in, in what position they want to play. Well, I think the reality, though, is that the, the, the youth players right now are just are just more um, are just better athletes in general. Um, uh, so I think that the youth players now kind of play a bunch of different positions because because they're just great athletes. And right. so it's it, it's into a spot where. I don't even really think that. I think that these youth guys can just kind of switch around and pl- and play what they want to play because of because of how athletic they are. Plug and play. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So you know. So do you think then that kind of I guess as as the position continues to be devalued in the league at the running back and that trickle down effect goes through college and high school and youth do you think that we're gonna see more of kind of like you said those just like athlete players uh i guess playing a a position that that well playing sort i guess that title of that running back position but that are utilized in more in a more creative way i just think that's the direction the game's going in and I think there's no changing it. I, that, that's that's just the direction the game is going in, and there's there's you can't change that right now. It's nothing you can do about it. So you know, since we're talking about athletes and and wide open formations, do you think then that means that we're going to eventually slowly start to see a uh, philosophical shift um, in the game with quarterbacks and centers and, and being taking a snap under center and do you think we're gonna get to a point where eventually uh quarterbacks aren't going to even in the pros are aren't going to ever take a snap under center and we're gonna i think really it's already kind of i think it's already kind of happened i mean look at how many quarterbacks in the pros even even take snaps under center anymore how many how many teams have a true power running formation and a an an eye formation power running back just pound the ball up the middle? I mean, aside from like the the, Phil- the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the few teams that still took a lot of snaps under center or the last Titans. year, the Titans. or, or, or the like- Titans with Derrick Henry. The, those are two, those two teams took the most snaps under center last year. But a lot of other teams are just like they, they don't take snaps on the center anymore. It's it's all it's all shotgun, it's all pistol, it's all stuff like that. And it's I mean it's it's just it's different. It's completely different. I I I'd agree. It's uh it's definitely uh, uh, uh it's an, an evolution and unfortunately you're some guys positionally are, are going to continue and you're starting to see them suffer uh, in their paychecks so yeah it'll be uh it'll it'll be interesting to see how you know teams continue as you know over the years in the next five to ten years how teams 
you know, put value in their money and where they're, they're putting uh, positions, you know, positions and where they're giving that money to. Um, yeah, I, uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, so to, to quickly get off of that, and, you know, once again, talk about the football aspect of it. You know, what, what, what are some uh, gridiron sort of storylines that you're you're looking at this year? You know, so I think, um, I mean, listen, the, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. Um, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think the, the the Eagles are a team that you have to watch out for. The the, the Philadelphia Bulldogs. The um, the entirety of Georgia's defense. <laughs> Um, th- that's there uh, that, are a lot of Georgia players on that Eagles defense. The entirety of, of Georgia's defense on that Eagles defense, but um, so the Eagles, um, Jalen Hurts had a f- fantastic year last year. I think he'll, have, I think he'll have another very good year this year. Um, Joe Burrow just got hurt for the Bengals though, so that that hurts for them. Um, Joe Burrow got cutted off the field in practice. For the Bengals, yeah, he's got quite a few weeks, so that's going to be tough. That so that hurts. Um, I think the 49ers are a team that that that, that are good. Um, Brock Purdy's back from injury, throwing the ball again. But uh, I just think it's a good team. Um, the Niners have, I mean, obviously McCaffrey and Nick um, Nick Bosa and. Uh, Debo Samuel. So it's it's a good team, the, the Niners team. It's a I good like defense. It it's a good defense. Uh, it's a good offense. Defense. What, what about what about the four teams in the AFC East? Uh, I you know honestly I, I think good, this the, year the, the AFC East. The Bills, I'm sorry, the AFC East is a crapshoot for me. I mean, God knows how the Aaron Rodgers Jets experiment is going to work out. I mean. It's I don't even I don't I don't know how that's gonna work out at all, no clue. I mean, I just yeah I just, that'll that'll be you'll have to wait and see for that. The Patriots are an average team. I think the Patriot I think the Patriots will probably go like eight and nine or nine and eight this year. I I think probably eight and nine. So that that's that's just like a middle of the road team. Um, the Bills. I mean, they've been great in the regular season, but they just can't get it done in the postseason. I, I think we want to talk about make it break it. I think this is a make it break it year for the Bills. To be honest, with you. I think that I don't. I think if this year they can't get something done. I think people are going to start to turn on them, debating and using the narrative yeah. that it's that they were. You know, I was reading something. Yeah. During this offseason, from someone, I think that they as a team are going to be kind of started to put in the same uh, pigeonhole as 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 uh, as teams like the Philip Rivers, you know, led Chargers. Yeah. And yeah, speaking yeah. of another number seventeen, I think that Josh Allen is going to be started to is going to start being put in that category as quarterback as Rivers is you know a team and a quarterback there are immensely talented they're they're great they're they're a good team they're a great regular season team but kind of like you said and just in the postseason the playoffs they're not a team that you can trust 
to no, where he no. really believes going to make a run. So I yeah. think this year for the Bills, it's it is it's really a make or break it year, and it's like if they don't do it now, I think you're going to have people start making those comparisons, and people are going to create that narrative for them. I agree. I I, so, I agree. Yeah, I think that Sean McDermott's got to get it done this year, and you know they got to find a way because yeah, they're, no, I'm I'm with you. No, and I think on the Dolphins, I think it's uh, it's a question of can they repeat their success. I think they did for the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, to, listen, uh, the, the Dolphins. I mean, listen, the, the, the Dolphins have one of the best one-two receiver punches in the NFL. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, they have one of the best one-two receiver punches in the NFL right now. But it's um, it's it's a matter. of... How healthy can Tua stay? It's all about Tua's health. Because I'm sorry, but Tua had Tua had basically three concussions last year. Well, it's uh, more specifically, it's all about Tua's health, and it's about his, his head. It's about his head. Health yeah, I mean, because like ba- basically three concussions last year. That's he's got. I think this year, and hopefully he's learned. I think this year he's got to do a much better job of protecting himself. Oh, 100%. If he's going to run, he has to protect. If he's going to run, he has to learn to either just slide or just fall. Because he was falling way too often on his head. When someone tackled him from behind, straight on his head. He, he, has, to, he has to learn how to, how to, again, how to either slide or just know when to just fall down and protect yourself. Well, I think if you're Mike McDowell, I think you have to you have to sort of realize that we just can't we can't do you know we can't do design you know rollout plays with him really no. anymore. No, we no. can't do that. You got to no. get creative, and, and you got well, you know, you have two guys that are more than capable of of you can build successful uh, creative schemes. You know, with Listen, your you, one you got, you got two- and hill. Yeah, you got two speed. You got two very fast players in Waddle and Hill, who are also very good with the ball in their hands. I mean, you, you you get the ball in Waddle and Tyreek Hill's hands. I mean, good riddance. <laughs> Goodbye. Both capable anytime of taking into the house. Yeah, I mean, so it's you can draw up plays for those two without putting Tua in in major danger. But uh, that's that's kind of that's going to be the question. Um, and then you look at you know conferences like the AFC North, and you look at the AFC West, and um, I think this year you're going to see a lot of parity. I don't think there's really any team in any conference this year that uh, that you know with the you know, at the start of preseason, looks head and shoulders above. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I, I don't. I don't think so at all. So it should should be an interesting, uh, very even season in the NFL. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think that's gonna do it for us guys. Yeah. Already almost at uh, yep. hour and forty five. So. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Tuning in with us. Um, yeah, this has been the Chalk Talk with T and D podcast. Signing out. See you guys next time. Signing out.